0: Hello and welcome to Collision's YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I have Miss Lisa Amy. At the time of recording, Lisa was the general manager of Longview Systems, one of the top five IT firms in Canada, a 20-year success story, and born and bred Calgary company. Since the recording, Lisa had the opportunity to change to a new position. She's currently in WestJet, another amazing Calgary success story. She's the senior manager of End User Experience. On this episode, Lisa and I talk about the pace of change in the world of technology and in every aspect of the world we live in. She shares a little bit her perspective of why she believes that Calgary actually is a little bit behind and why, although maybe sounds negative at first blush, is actually an opportunity to move forward at a greater pace. Join me in welcoming Lisa Amy. How long have you been in Calgary?
1: Uh, almost 12 years.
0: Oh, fantastic. So you've got a pretty solid, you've seen the ups and downs and the, and the yeah, goods and the bads. For sure. What brought you out here originally?
1: My husband. Ah, yes, yes. I met my wife here
0: here as well, and I never left. Funny how that works. Yeah,
1: so my husband and I, we knew each other, obviously, from Winnipeg, and I was in the States at the time. Okay. And uh, he was living here for about five years, and he just kind of said when I was moving back from the States with my other company, back to Winnipeg, we spent about six months there, and he's like, I think we should go to Calgary. So that's what brought me here.
0: And 12 years ago. So Calgary, things were going well, like you moved to a pretty positive, and had you worked in, because obviously in your current role at Longview, did you come from that background?
1: I came from a background of project management, the business side, business analytics. I was a trained facilitator, which is what took me to the States. Okay. Uh, So for about three years, I was doing process re-engineering, so transformation projects um, for like six weeks event type things. Uh, And it was in the Air Logistics Center for Tinker Air Force Base. Oh, interesting. Yeah, pretty amazing. So that took me... To Calgary in terms of project management and trying to do things better, cheaper, faster—that type of stuff—and um, oh, yeah, always
0: the better, better, cheaper, faster, better,
1: cheaper, faster. That's why you can have
0: you can have two, not all three, but the demand in business today is I want all three.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. exactly.
0: And how long have you been at Longview?
1: Almost twelve years. So that's the first. Oh, so well, oh, needs. interesting. Yeah,
0: and I, I certainly Definitely. I know a few people from Longview. Um, this is a company that keeps people for a long period of time.
1: Totally. You know we just celebrated the twenty year anniversary yesterday, right? That is so. immense
0: that's congratulations. That's that's fantastic. And you guys are Calgary born and bred company,
1: correct? You bet. Yeah. So Don Balick, our founder, our owner, executive chairman of the board, uh, he put on an amazing party last night to almost six hundred people. And, you know, in Calgary specifically, I would say the average tenure is six, seven years. That's awesome. So when you're, when you're new, years. when you're new, I'm
0: new here. I've only been here five or six years. Yeah, Exactly. That's fun. Cause I know Kevin, uh, who was the co-conspirator behind this podcast. He's been there almost right since the beginning. Was That's he right. employee eight or employee nine or something Yeah, like that?
1: He was single digits. I'm pretty sure.
0: That's awesome. And how many of you guys now?
1: We are 12, oh, just over 1200.
0: And how, and how many cities? I Because you? you're Canada and the US, correct?
1: You bet. Yeah. So six cities. Uh, so we're in BC, Vancouver. Uh, we've got a satellite office in Victoria. We've got Edmonton, Calgary, Houston, Denver, and Toronto.
0: Interesting. So that's a pretty good perspective of, cause you guys are pretty close to a lot of larger mid to, cause you guys work with mid to large size organizations typically in terms yeah, of even
1: small businesses as well. I would say they're oh, our okay. core bread and butter and what really gave us the foundation to be where we're at today.
0: Excellent. So you guys are right through the, the value chain from like, I'm a 20 person company. Cause I, it is an essential service. Like it's not, it's not up for grabs anymore. You can't decide whether you're going to not have it Yeah. and you need professionals. And then you guys work right up to what would be your largest size client?
1: Uh, 15,000 employees, probably. Okay. Uh, worldwide.
0: Interesting. So you have a really good perspective of also how your clients are doing in the economy versus, so what's it, what's the optics right now when you look at Calgary versus some of the other markets you're in? Like, what are you seeing? Is it, is it doom and gloom or everywhere else is great and we're not? What do you see?
1: So, I mean, from my opinion, and I've had a few different roles at Longview, which has taken me to our other branches as well. So I was a North American role previous to this one. And I think, um, Calgary is slow. Uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're behind and it, I wouldn't say doom and gloom, but we really just aren't on the journey of transformation, the journey to get to the other things that we need to get to, whether it's automation, it's digital transformation, it's, you know, all those buzzwords everybody talks about. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, we've had economic downturns, we've had economic impacts that have impacted different decisions, have closed the purse strings, um, and we can't do that anymore. So I think that's what's happening. And to be honest, when I look at North America in general, I think we're all quite slow compared to, you know, Europe and some of the different uh, countries around the world that are actually progressive when it comes to these types of things.
0: That's interesting. Any, any insights or any thoughts on what's, what's behind? Because there's always like what's behind the thing. Sometimes we look at a symptom and think it's the cause, but it's often something else. Do you have any, again, this is just your personal perspective. It's your microphone. So any thoughts on where, what drives that, that difference just between North America and the rest of the world?
1: I think there's a lot of different entrepreneurs across the world, a lot of different passions, a lot of different upbringings. You know, you look at some of the European countries that, you know, from school days are taking a different approach to how they actually educate people, you know, even from a parental perspective, some of the countries in Europe, like Finland and things like that, that, you know, people are staying home until they're eight years old instead of going into kindergarten at the age of five or six. So I think it starts way back in your early childhood days and it's all about how the government approaches um, you know, education and how they approach, um, upbringings and, and just the different passions and interests that they create within the society. And I think, you know, our government is a little bit behind the times as to how we actually approach some of these things. And, and that's, what's led to us being where we're at.
0: And that's interesting because that's creates That's such a long cycle when you think about it. Cause sometimes it's so easy to get wrapped in like, okay, what are we going to do this year to change it? What you just talked about is generational changes of beliefs. Exactly. Jim Gibson was the first guest I had on. He talked to like a lot about that. He says, let's just bring it back to like, this is all a, a a group of individuals. So it's about what's your individual mindset before you then kind of bolt it all together and say, Oh, we're going to change the world. What you bring into that group is so challenging. And Calgary's, I want to quote unquote said, had it pretty good for a long time that we could just, yeah, no, we could just rely on this one industry taking us forward. And unfortunately that has absolutely shifted.
1: For sure. Absolutely. So
0: when you, you threw in, you threw in the buzzword of the day and thank you for making it as relevant transformation. So when you see Calgary and where you feel we're slow to transform, is there any, what is, if you were to define transformation for Calgary to take us forward, how would you define it in relevance to this market?
1: You know, I, I was thinking about that, getting you know, thinking about the different podcasts and and what's been going on in the conversations you've been having. And I think what's key is that transformation is not an end state; it's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a journey that people need to go on, and you're never done. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. I think that that's where we've been a little bit lagging is we're so immersed in the word transformation and what that means and the definition of it and what does it look like and what does success look like and how do you know you're done and I think we need to change the language to be more around transition states and the journey to the different things that you need to go through and enjoying the process as you go along and I feel like because it's been such a big stigma around the word transformation and digital automation and all these amazing things that it's it's scary and so people aren't even getting on the journey um, and so that's kind of my opinion. I think it's a process and I think you're never done. And I think that, uh, you know, that's life in general. You're always learning. You're always changing. You're always improving. And when you stop doing that, you know, life kind of is taking you a different way.
0: It's interesting. was exactly where my mind was going to listen to you talk. Or like You know, transformation, always learning, always growing versus this binary pass, fail, right, wrong. We did it. We're successful. Okay. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Years ago, I was talking to a leader and he was having challenges with the leadership team. And I was like, so if you guys had training, he goes, yeah, we did training like a couple of years ago. So we did that.
1: I'm exactly. Like, what have you done in the
0: last couple of years? He's like, well, no, we, we did training. I'm like, has the people been changed? There's people's lives changed? He goes, well, yeah, but we, we checked that box. I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's the most, and it wasn't working out in, in his environment, but it was kind of like, we did it, so now we're good.
1: Right. And I think pass people, fail. Exactly. And I think people need to realize it's not just an end state. It's not just that checklist, the checkbox that you're trying to actually achieve. It's, you know, one of the other big buzzwords right now is organizational change management. So that whole OCM. OCM is a good, yeah, my right? promoter, no, it, like, it really is about How you're creating awareness, how you're helping people to adopt to change, and how you're actually creating the ability to change, and then you know the likability of that change—that's key in all of this transformation world—is that organizational change management and how you're bringing people along,
0: and that mindset of like likability. I love that you threw that in there because we're still humans, and I joke we're all little kids. If we like it, we keep doing it. If we don't like it, well, we cause a fuss and we throw tantrums, and we don't do it, and that'll that'll basically taking an an industry apart from the inside.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and I think that's exactly what's happening. You know, people are so scared. Maybe not everybody, but so many people are Yeah, Broad, broad strokes. Broad there's strokes. fear. There's, there's, you know, um, negative feelings and emotions towards transformation. Or there's even folks that, and organizations that feel like they're better without it, or they think that they know better. Um, and at the end of the day, again, back to that, you know, getting to that end state and getting through that process and transformation, it's, It's here. It's not leaving. You need to just jump on the bus and start. Just start.
0: One step. So you're out there. You guys deal. You guys are. I would imagine your relationships with your companies, your clients are quite in depth because you really need to work with how their businesses work. What do you see? What's working out there? Is there pockets where you see certain industries are pushing forward? What are you seeing that's like, it's good to identify what the problem is, but where are the good examples? And do you have any optics on some of
1: those? Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things that we talk talk about as an executive group, um, so Brent Allison, our CEO of Longview and and Don Balik, our founder, continuously talking about what transformation actually looks like, the types of clients and organizations that Longview is actually really good at uh, partnering with. And we talk all the time about organizations that are dynamic, organizations that are embracing change, whether it's transformation or not, you don't need the big, you know, the big T word. Um, But organizations that are interested and realizing that they actually need to change and they need to do something different, those are the ones that actually we are engaged a lot more with. We add value to. There's thought leadership there. There's great collaboration. There's good communication. There's progressiveness to where we're going to together versus we're trying to deliver a service to somebody and they may or may not want it. It's actually mutual understanding of the value that can be driven, of the impact we can make together on the community of understanding each other's organizations. And, you know, so we look a lot at the types of clients and organizations we should be doing business with. And it's really not the ones that are are still sort of stuck in that 10, 15, 20 years ago where they think they're better – without change they think they're better without transformation they you know aren't willing to realize that they have to spend some money perhaps to actually change and so that's where we are seeing a lot more successes and uh, some of these organizations to be honest some of them are merging and acquiring and and a lot of different things going on in the city right now because of that lack of wanting to adjust or you know maybe they made a decision five seven years ago and now they're at a state where they're actually no longer going to be effective.
0: Right. It's that, 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 that plan kind of ran out. Exactly. And I've heard from other guests we've talked about sometimes Calgary has that, like that first mover fear. I want to, I'll be second. Let someone else go forward. Do you guys run into that where you see that? Like, Oh, so where have you done this before? And how could I mitigate my risk to the point of almost not taking any chances at all?
1: For sure. We see it all the time. And even as an organization. So, you know, we've been in business for about 20 years now, uh, actually yesterday, ex- 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 exactly <laughs> 20 years, That's not right. about <laughs> to change your, change your story. That's right. And so, you you know, our philosophy at Longview was always about not being the first one in. We wanted to make sure that there was, you know, we we did, we weren't the ones that were learning the lessons necessarily as the very first one in. We were good being second or third. Oh, that's so that interesting. From your lessons. own culture internally. That's oh, right. interesting. And so even for us, we've actually transformed a little bit as to how we go to market with some of these things. And so now we're not, there's not that fear of being first. There's actually a... Um, interest and passion around being first with our clients with our partners and learning together and again it's about partner maturity it's about people realizing that there's an ecosystem out there to help you do things better to fail fast and you know all those buzzwords around how you kind of try things and you know take three months to try things and move on to the next thing versus engage in a two-year project
0: getting away from that binary like going we're going to try this we have we both have a goal and we have expertise but we don't really know what's going to happen a month from now but let's work together
1: because what could happen
0: could be it could fail, but it also could succeed beyond all of our expectations.
1: Right. and I think part of it is the investment together. Right. So no longer is the day where people are coming to Longview and saying, you know what, we think you should know all of this stuff and therefore we're going to buy this thing from you. And so you should have all the lessons learned. You should already be telling us everything that you know, which we absolutely will do. But we actually have organizations now that are willing to invest with us and try something with us and be the first in together. And I think that's really key in the city is really realizing that we should be better together.
0: That's so interesting getting away from more of a product, more of a. But at the pace that everything's moving, by the time you get it all sorted out, it changes. That's right. And that is scary because you're right. If you're. And we live in a very technically proficient town run by engineers and technology and accountants where I want precision. In a world where it's moving so fast, it's almost hard to be. Like you have to be very good at being adaptable, being resourceful, being continually curious, not just always knowing that this is the perfect answer. And if I push button A, B, C, D, then I will get this, I will get X.
1: For sure. And those that are not sort of on that transformation journey yet I would say you know seventy percent of the business that we do is absolutely still the we have a we have a widget, we have something that you need to buy and therefore we will you know connect and okay and we'll about seventy percent
0: of your business still falls into that category absolutely. where it is a bit of a plug and play essential service you have it, I need it.
1: Right. And so and that's great from a business profitability perspective and you yeah. know running a business and those kinds of things, you need that foundation. But when you look at transformation and the things that you want to go to that are futuristic and thought leadership and and you know innovation and digital and all these amazing things Super that are. Super cool, about. buzzy words that exactly. fall under transformation. <laughs> you can't do that at 80, 90% of your business. You need some key folks that are willing to invest with you and trying to go on that journey with you. And so that's you know what I would say the 20% of our business right now.
0: That's interesting. And has that been a, a gradual, like, did that used to be 5%? Now it's 10 now it's 15 Exactly. Over, over what period of time? Like, how's that curve been for you guys? Is that in the last two years, five years?
1: Four, I would say four years. So long we're oh, So
0: right in line with kind of the Calgary journey, if you will. You bet. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, so as an IT consulting company, we also had to go through our own transformational journey, right? So if we didn't, we probably could have been acquired by now. And that's not at, at all the philosophy of what we're trying to do. So we had to go through our own transformation and realize the types of things that we wanted to be in business with and what our clients wanted from us and our partners. Partners and our employees, and so we've been on our four to five year journey ourselves.
0: Interesting. Let's peel back. There. That's that's. I love it because it's real. You know, there's, you know, there's leading, leading by example isn't the best way. It's the only way, as, as they say sometimes. What did that look like internally? If you're willing to pull back the curtain a little bit, did you bring it outside thinking? Was that strictly from a CEO coming and going, hey guys, and he started pushing it? Did you reach out? Did you travel the world to see how other companies were doing it? Like, what was that journey like for you guys?
1: I would say a little bit of all of it, but generally a lot of natural, organic conversations. So Don Balik, our founder, Kevin Crow, executive VP of strategy, just amazing thought leader um, coming to, you know, we have this thing called Cannonball Collective. And so that's our own version of a think tank and really bringing our employees and, and the base of the organization with thoughts and ideas on what our clients are looking for, what our partners are aspiring to do and, and who's desiring what from, from us as an organization. And so it was a lot of organic conversation, uh, and a lot of smart people.
0: Right. And you, and you created this, obviously you needed, you have to be deliberately create the space to make that happen. Correct. Because you guys are a service company, so you're spending a lot of time client first, servicing the client. And I know from my own personal experience, sometimes it's easy to to not drink your own (laughs) Kool-Aid.
1: Absolutely. And it's always hard, right? You still have to keep the plane flying. So we yes, to as be you're boat. changing those
0: engines, absolutely. You got it. <laughs> One of my favorite. now. There's a video floating around where they actually, somebody did a commercial about that, where I'll say, if you haven't seen it, it's great nice. about changing the engines while the, the plane is flying. So if looking at Calgary overall, and again, not to be negative, I appreciate the, the way forward. Is there anything that you, that's, that's not really working from a city perspective, provincially that, that you see like, wow, like that's really getting us our way or is it just, is it just come back to mindset?
1: You know, I think it's mindset, but I think it's also having a structured approach to thinking about what you have to do differently. And part of it is just starting, as I said earlier. So you just got to start somewhere. You don't have to think of the whole project that's going to be a two-year thing and, and, you know, the whole transformation you need to go through. You need to have a vision and a strategy of where you want to get to. Absolutely. But you really just need to start executing. And just start with something. Okay. And that momentum creates success and success breeds more success and more ideas and more people and more passion around it. And so I think you just need to start. And I think, you know, um, there's different people that we've talked to, obviously, through through Longview, but even just in personal connections in our network. And, you know, one of the organizations I look at a lot is the Calgary Economic Development um And so we've had different meetings with, you know, Robin Buse and, and different folks from that organization through our, our CTO and, and even myself, you know, dinners and things. And I think we need to, from a city perspective, have a new mindset, a new approach to how we're going to do some of these things and actually make some investments.
0: Stop waiting for it to be perfect and actually start making some. Because I've heard some, you know, and again, I'm gonna, I've got some people scheduled on CD to come in, so I'm not speaking positively or negatively, but I've heard some stories from entrepreneurs, startups that went to CED to look for support and they're like, wow, it took so long and it mm-hmm. took a year and it took two years and it was never perfect. And I'm not criticizing, it's a mindset. Then I've heard of people moving into other jurisdictions, maybe in the US where three to six months they've got things are rolling and the, and, the, and and there's money flowing in and just a very different, like, and I would love to, Calgary has a bit of a getter done, but I feel sometimes that's not true. Agreed. We're, we're a bit I, slow. I
1: think that we're always looking for perfection and we're looking for a full, you know, a hundred percent baked solution before just starting. And I think the, you know, the successes that we've had and some of the results that we can create is just by starting. I think that's, and that's, and that's
0: so linear that I recently I've quoted it a couple of times it's an older book but I read A Whole New Mind by Daniel Pink and he talks about how the last you know, kind of 40 to 50 years the majority of the wealth in North America globally has been built on a very linear left brain he does this whole left right brain and he talks about the future being so abstract and so unknown that you really need more of a conceptual approach which is very hard for the world that's been built on A comes after B comes after C comes after D and trusting that I'll learn that D's coming I just have to do A and B first I think that is a challenge for a lot of companies because it sounds very risky. Sounds oh, totally. fun for you and I chatting about yeah, it yeah. <laughs> on a Thursday morning with our coffees. go, oh, just take risk. But you've got shareholders. You've got large organizations that have delivered against a, a certain paradigm of success for years. And now they have to completely change that. I respect that that's not easy.
1: Yeah, mm. absolutely. And, you know, one of the lines I use with our, our team all the time is done not perfect.
0: Yes. Perfect. Oh, the illusion of perfection. (laughs) What did did I hear? Someone told me the other day, if you show me a perfectionist, I'll show you a procrastinator. Exactly. I was like, oh, I never put those two words together.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. I mean, I even look back at my earlier days around wanting to do things perfectly as well and, you know, building this whole project plan and having all these tasks and strategies and all these things that you had to complete and who's doing what by when. And at the end of the day, you just got to start doing some things and eventually the other things will come. And that's a new mindset. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And so that's a bit of a, your own individual transformation in, in your mind of how you approach things and being okay with failures and being okay with doing something wrong or doing something not perfect.
0: Well, just, and again, it sounds close, but stop calling them failures and start calling them learning. Like right away it changes. The words we use tell so much about, oh my God, that was that project was a failure. Well, what did you learn? All these things. I'm like, well, I would argue that doesn't sound like a failure. For sure. <laughs> sounds like a prototype. Exactly. I don't know if we all remember yeah. Woodshop. You make that wooden, that thing. The second one you make is always better than the first one. For sure. It's like, oh, I'm going to do that a little bit differently so what are some of the indicators that you guys obviously as a large organization you guys are looking out into the future and even to today is there some benchmarks or some things that you guys look at besides even your own uh, obviously kpis and what you track what, what are we looking for how are we going to know that things are moving in the right direction or that change is happening like what indicators are we going to see from your perspective
1: so I think there's a few different things. And, you know, a lot of the, your different guests have talked about, you know, transformation and what that looks like when you're done and, and the journey that you when go on. When you're done. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, I, I wanted to take a little bit of a different take. And so obviously being a female leader. Mm. Um, and so for me, part of it is actually having more women in leadership roles, women in IT. Um, and so part of it is actually that sort of that inclusion, that diversity and getting that. Um, more
0: per- balanced perspectives at the table. You bet. Interesting. There's an episode coming up with Judy Fairburn. I don't know if you, do you know Judy? I do. Judy's fantastic. So her episode's coming out in a few weeks and we talk, she talks to me about some of the percentages around female wealth versus female ownership and then leadership and businesses. She had some really cool perspectives. She blew me away. She's, she's awesome, but that was her. And one of the big movements she's involved with, with the 51 of getting more women involved from a capital, putting capital into play and also leadership and making sure that women have support. But I also heard that Calgary has the highest proportion of women led startups in Canada, we which that, I was very proud. That was exciting to hear. And this is a number I, I've never heard that before.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> Why aren't we telling
0: these stories a little bit better? <laughs> yeah,
1: you bet. And and part of it is that, is the story sharing and the telling of stories. And, you know, so I'm connected with a, an association, one, a, one of many um, called the Women's Executive Network. Okay. And some of the different things that they're doing in the city and across Canada. And it's just amazing things, you know, some amazing female leaders that uh, have not been heard of before or their stories aren't aren't known. And so I think that's part of it and and really realizing that in inclusion and diversity actually creates new results it creates new ideas new successes and once we can embrace that a little bit more i think that's part of the result that we're going to start seeing
0: and maybe this i'm taking this down a little bit of a different road but is there anything that's really getting in the way of that cuz we're in an all we're in an all hands on deck situation to have someone's not being able to add value because of gender seems just ridiculous to me on every level is, what what do we need to just wipe off the table to clear that path a little bit more? Because clearly it's slow. It's not as quick. We need it now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We don't need
0: this mindset to change five years from now. We need it today.
1: For sure. And I don't think it's – in Calgary, I think we're pretty progressive. I okay. think it's not, you know, something that people are doing on purpose. I think it's actually all the unconscious things and subconscious things that are taking okay. place, like, you know, unconscious, unconscious bias, for example. Um, I think it's just how people – Innately respond to things, and they don't realize sometimes that, you know, what they're doing with their responses. You know, one of the things that we have at at Longview that our VP of HR has started doing is the term and phrase, you guys. Right, so little things, and I say it all the time. I probably should start a jar because I'd make a lot of money. But the, you know, some of these simple terms where we're always, um, you know, really more male dominated, and we're not doing it on purpose. But it really is just some of those unconscious biases that we need to start getting away from. And you know, I have kids. Uh, One is my daughter, so I have a boy and a girl. And you got to think of as parents what we're actually shaping and changing for the future of our children. Um, So those are some of the things I'm doing in the home as well. try and you know um, clear that path for my daughter.
0: Well, back what you said, it's a longer cycle. These aren't like short term. It's going to take oh, forever.
1: It's going to take a long time. And again, back to never being done, right? Like it, <laughs> it, it really yes. isn't. It You know, it's taken us, what, 50, 75 years uh, to start doing some of the different things around, you know, women and voting and all these different things. But
0: I know. When you look at some of it, it's, it seems insane it to look back on it. It takes a long
1: time. It takes a long time to change behavior and that goes for anything, right? New habits and new yes. behaviors takes a really long time.
0: I did. Li- I really liked what you said in the sense of like sometimes it's there isn't malicious intent there isn't this bias that I'm walking around with but you not grow, in Canada you, yeah, you yeah. Grow, yes absolutely we're very fortunate to live where we mm-hmm. live you're right and as you know you look at net new migration there's a lot of factors at play of going well actually we don't we don't look at that that way here and I always joke you can argue with facts but arguing with beliefs is a very dangerous territory yes. <laughs> mm, that's you know many wars have been fought over that, that simple subject but it's interesting I like your perspective on diversity and just the impact that could have of all of a sudden getting those players off the bench if you will and not to use Steve now if it, as a sports analogy but I shouldn't. Your your background is in sports as well, right? That's right. And would you say that because you were a, you were a national level c- curler? Correct. Talk a little bit. What was it like, even being in that? It's a little sidebar here, but I think it's interesting because sport can sometimes be very male dominated. I recently had um, Haley Daniels on talking about not being able to go to the Olympics because women's slalom canoe was not available, but it was only available for the men. Yeah, hundred percent. we're like, I mean, what is going in- on here? Like, come on! T- and she, totally. She's been rallying against that. As well as also what it takes to be a professional athlete.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The same thing happens in curling. I mean, it's pro- you probably make 10 times more money as a man than a woman. Uh, and that's just the facts it's a, it's, and reality it's, of that sport. It's,
0: it's a, how long were you involved in that sport?
1: 25 years.
0: Wow, so you were curling like little, little, little girl, like starting. Like, did you grow up in a town where there was like curling rinks on every corner, kind of? Winnipeg. Thing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I Prairies. saw that in Quebec. Yeah. I think there was two or three curling, like four churches and three curling clubs in a, <laughs> right. a, a town of town of 1,200 people. <laughs> Everybody curled. Oh, that's interesting. And how long? Do you still curl?
1: I don't. So I retired after I went to nationals mm-hmm. in uh, Saint Catharines, Ontario, and that was I had been trying to achieve provincial uh, titles for, you know, 20 plus years of my competitive curling career and uh, finally achieved it and closed the book on an awesome chapter.
0: That's fantastic. What an interesting, and did you get to, did you travel globally? Like was that, did that must have opened so many interesting doors and learnings for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, I think that athleticism and sports really taught me a bunch of things from a business perspective as well. You know, you think of collaboration, you think of teamwork, um, obviously curling being a team sport, um, all the different things that you have to do as a leader if you're, you know, leading the team or um, informal leader of the team. So all the different things you have to do from, you know, practicing and dedication and devotion and losing and, <laughs> and you know not, being, per- not being perfect losing. every time. Absolutely. And and so, you know, the lessons and learnings that come from losing and come from, you know, being a team and, and the things that you have to do together to actually succeed.
0: And it's always a question. It's never done. Like, you're, like, athletics is always, and that's, I think, I know, that's what addic- what causes my addiction to. I'm like, oh, I'll do that a little different next time and I'll tweak it a little bit more. It was never a fail, <laughs> whether it's snowboarding. I do a lot of sports that have speed involved. So when you do get it wrong, you, it's very impactful. But, you know, next time I'll try a little better. I'll do it a little bit learning. different. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, draws you to it. For but sure. yet in some other parts of our world, it's a pass-fail kind of binary model, which is just not, I don't think, how we really work as humans. We're, no, prob- we're problem not. solvers. Exactly. We figure, we figure stuff out. <laughs> you bet. Um, resources, places that you, do, do you travel to get like conferences that you go to, you know you mentioned a couple groups so I'm this is a plug type environment we want to collide ideas anywhere that you recommend people getting involved places they can go to just get different perspectives like open up the aperture a little bit what what do you what do you do and what do you recommend
1: so I mean a a few things that I do so as I mentioned so you know being part of an IT organization so women in IT is really important for me Uh, women in leadership is really important as well so there's a a Calgary women on boards association that I've joined there's a the women executive network that I mentioned already Um, and one of the things that I Actually, do again to your point around colliding is I actually host some of our client females uh, that are in leadership roles to come with me to the WXN events. Oh, Um, that's great. So I'm constantly trying to, you know, expose different people and create awareness and and invite folks, um, you know, being in the role that I'm in. uh, It gives me that power and and enablement to be able to do things like that. So it really is about sort of sharing that message and sharing my opportunities with other people as well. I think um, some of the other, you know, non sort of female inclusion diversity types of organizations. So I've been very fortunate to go to some conferences with the Microsofts of the world, which have been absolutely fantastic and amazing. So your
0: partners are some of the leaders, you thought bet, leaders that have changed our world and it continue, and will change it again and again. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. That's right. So I've been very fortunate from a technology perspective to be exposed to some of those associations. You know, even the Gartner's of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so really interesting uh, conferences and and different opportunities that I've had to go and and participate in some of those events. In
0: your role as as a leader, what portion? you know, do you, you know, and just, this is fooling around with percentages of their time, how much do you allot to like, I need to get out there and be exposed to new things constantly? Is it 10, 20% of your career? Are you just doing it like almost on a monthly basis?
1: I would say probably 25% of what I do is, is things like that. So again, the type of organization that I work for, you constantly have to be leading edge. It, it's
0: not an option. <laughs> it
1: isn't, it isn't, or I become irrelevant, right? So you constantly have to be um, you know, ahead of the game, knowing what's going on in the industry, knowing what's going on in all of our clients' industries to a certain extent to have those kinds of different conversations and adding value in different ways. And so I need to be kept abreast of what's going on out there. Otherwise, I'm not having very fruitful conversations. I
0: can only imagine being, the, you know, the, like we said earlier, digital transformation, but through digital transformation and arguably some way, in some way, shape or form, digital is transforming everything we do as individuals. So therefore, every company, how often do you just get those calls like, hey, I saw this thing and you have to somewhat know about it or be able to say let me get back to you that must happen on a regular basis every
1: day multiple (laughs) times a day oh my gosh and not even just from clients asking questions but partners that want to partner with us and want to sell their things through longview of course everybody you know longview has a really good name in the in the industry and across north america and so we've got a pretty reputable brand and so we're constantly getting calls and emails every day for people that want to do more with us
0: and now I'm getting into the secret sauce how do you filter that like even in our world like you, it's constantly like, hey should we do this new thing and this new campaign and this new ad platform your world has got to be exponentially even more than that how do you guys filter the good the bad and the worth, worth taking the risk
1: very creatively <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were, the, the corners of your mouth were going up as you were asking I was, like, I, was I was asking that question
1: it's sure tough it's, it's hard because you don't want to turn away what might be the next best amazing thing right um, yes. but you can't say yes to everybody and I think one of the key things that you know I, I personally bring to the table And and from an organizational philosophy perspective is focus and determination and dedication. And so really being focused on the things that we're amazing at, and the things that we want to transform into and saying no to the things that actually don't help us get there. And it's hard, like you obviously have to be polite and respectful and and, you know how you respond, but uh, you can't do everything and be everything to everyone. And I think once people realize that and organizations realize that, that helps them to be more successful.
0: My business partner and I joke, you know, like well, if it was a couple of years ago, we're like, this year is going to be defined by what we say no to. And that was such a, you know, as an entrepreneur, you <laughs> want to say yes to everything. Right. Oh, cause, and of course, if you're inherently curious, it's even more problematic because yep. you kind of want to learn a little bit about it, about it all. But you're right, saying that. but coming back to what you said, being very adaptable, but knowing that there's a clear end, that there's my vision, we want to get to this, knowing it's going to change. Sometimes that helps with the yeses and nos.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I look back at, you know, so I've been with Longview for 12 years, almost 12 years. And I look back to even seven, eight years ago, and we would say yes to almost everything and every partner. And, oh, interesting. and we really, we didn't want to say no. We didn't, we wanted to be part of everything that we could possibly ha- get our hands on. And, and, uh, and we're a very <laughs> likable company. <laughs> and so we like to say yes to most people and so everyone I've met
0: there you guys are all super nice absolutely that's been my experience 100% (laughs) it's
1: Canadian right but uh, we're we're
0: a nice we're a friendly bunch we really
1: are but uh, part of that is just the learnings of saying no doesn't actually mean no forever it's just no for right now
0: yeah, that's what i because yeah, you know what, new information might come along, and I'll be like, oh, you know, I think someone called me about that a couple of months ago. I'm gonna go dig through and find them and give them a call. That's right. Because timing also is, you know, you're, uh, nothing more powerful than that moment. You're like, oh, this idea is now relevant. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go lean in on
1: that. And exactly why you have to keep that door open always and be respectful with your nose, right? Absolutely. It's, yes. uh, it's not no forever. It's just no for right now. And let's keep that door open can for I, future. Can I?
0: Can I call you in six months? That's Absolutely. Right. Please do. 100. i will be happy to hear from you. So, from your perspective of working, a little bit of a different question. I've I've chatted with a few of the guests about this because you work with so many different industries. Is there any glaring examples or just ideas that you have of different industries that maybe silo themselves away from each other? Is there any places, you know, one example, um, Eric Allen from uh, Tundra said, you know, he goes, the ag space does some really interesting things with technology that I think the oil and gas sector could learn a lot from. They don't want to be first movers, but the ag space has been doing it for 10 years. So the risk has been mitigated, but they're not talking. Do you see any big examples of that where you'd like to bang a few different industries together and go, wow, look what they're doing over here. It's different, but it's kind of the same.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think from an artificial intelligence perspective and some of the augmented reality and things like that, you know, when I look at um, the security aspect of what people do in the field. Um, And how we can keep their jobs a little bit more safe and secure. And whether it's, you know, their personal safety versus, you know, data safety and security. I think there's real opportunities to actually collide some of those ideas. Uh, We're doing a lot of different things with the Microsofts of the world, again, around, you know, HoloLens and augmented reality, virtual reality. And I think there's so many amazing learnings that, you know, almost every industry could really take on.
0: I, I got a chance to use the HoloLens. I was down in LA at a conference cool. and they had it. And it was, it was, it's a whole nother world. You're like, you got to really it open really your is. mind. But it's amazing how it goes from, oh, this is neat and a little bit foreign to like, oh, I'm immersed. I'm in it. Like it, it's, it's literally like seconds and your, and your brain goes, oh, and just adapts into that.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's what, pretty amazing.
0: From a timeline. Cause you know, VR, augment, AR, there's... How are we on that cycle? Because it kind of you hear the buzz and then it kind of settles, and then you see it popping up, and you see oh, we're not quite there yet. Is there a curve around that that you're seeing coming, where all of a sudden there's going to be a bit more of a mass adoption, either cost or technology changes?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think you know the same thing happened with business data analytics and all the data insights, and you know there was the big thing around business intelligence around data, and you know that was probably about six seven years ago, yeah. and, and um, big you know, data was
0: literally the cover of every Harvard totally. Business Review, every absolutely, yeah.
1: And so you go through what's called the trough of disillusionment Right. So first there's like the exciting, the excitedness around it and it's amazing and it sounds awesome. And then you go into like, oh, that was really awesome, but I'm not sure if this is actually going to work. And so you're in that trough and then you come out of that the trough. Trough of dissolute, like, that's awesome. That's, a, I think it's a Gartner phrase, but uh, It feels yeah, like it would be, yes. There is a methodology there that absolutely happens and kind of tying back into that organizational change management, what people personally go through, right? So there's excitement um, with change, but then there's like the hardships of like, oh, change is actually hard, right? Well, there's reality. There's reality, Exactly. So it's, I think It's, the same unco- it's uncomfortable. <laughs> That's right. I'm and resisting
0: changing my phone because I don't see that I have enough bandwidth for the downtime it's going to take me to do everything. So I was like, are you going to change your phone? I'm like, uh, I know it'll be better, but do I, do I have those three hours? Like, it's so funny, my mindset, totally. but just take that up to it at scale to a whole organization. It's just a, a version of that.
1: <laughs> and I was the same way. I mean, uh, so I look at my phone as an example and my husband was the, the one that kind of was like, you need to upgrade. Like, this is crazy. This phone is oh, so seven, sp- seven years old. Oh, so we're
0: you're getting The same speech I'm getting at home.
1: (laughs) But my problem in the past was always, well, it works. Why should I change anything that works? And I think if you tie that back to what we've been talking about (laughs) today, that's what has caught people Uh in this sort of disillusionment of not needing to change. Why change something that's not broken?
0: And by the time you realize it's letting you down, it's pseudo, t- it's pseudo too late of like, oh shit, I guess I should have changed that phone exactly. when I had that downtime. Right. That's so, that's such an interesting, what a great, you're right. Cause it all comes back to, to us because sure. we're still individuals and companies are still, we look at companies as these, uh, these like nebulous things. It's a bunch of people.
1: Totally. <laughs> it's a collection
0: I, of individuals with beliefs.
1: I think transformation probably should have a bunch of training around psychology. <laughs>
0: 100, 100, really, it, it's 100%. a mental
1: thing. It's the mental blocks. It's the constraints that you impose on yourself, or that you maybe make up that aren't there, or you know you have past history of something that's happened to you, and so you don't want to go through that again. And, and there's so much psychological impact on transformation. I think. Well, that
0: fixed versus flexible mindset, and and what it, and what you can accomplish. I, was, I had Ray DePaul was on from Mount Royal, and he kind of blew me away with this. He said, you know, I sit down with a 20 year old, I tell them they're going to physically not only change jobs, because we don't even talk about that anymore. They're to change their careers five to seven times. Yeah, totally. uh, You go, so resourcefulness, adaptability, curiosity, the technical skills, you're going to be able to learn those. What are you bringing? In in terms of beliefs. That blew me away. I'd never heard that number like that. One or two, I've changed careers a few times and everything, like I look back and go, oh, I see how that is valued here. But on the way forward, you don't always see it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: for sure. And and it doesn't necessarily mean different organizations, different companies. So for me, you know, almost 12 years of where I've been and I've had, I think, seven or eight different roles within those 12 years. Something that was really that's interesting. interesting Arguably, heard. some
0: of those could, would have been looked at as like, well, that's a career in this track, and you this bet. is a career in another track.
1: Absolutely. Um, good very, for you.
0: That's a, good, that's a great example. Inside an organization that clearly also allowed for that to take place, which
1: yeah, I think is very bet. important very for individual lucky. growth. Great opportunity. One of the things that I thought was really interesting about two years ago, I heard was, you know, you've got IQ, right? So everybody was all IQ for yes. years and years. And then you moved into EQ, emotional intelligence, and, and that was the big thing. And, and now is this AQ. Right. So adaptability quotient. And so, oh, my I've, not, kids, I've not heard that. I like that. Yeah. There you go. So it's my kids real. are 10 and seven. And so I'm trying to develop and, you know, parent in a, and guide in a way that this adaptability quotient is all about the fact that you're never done learning. You always need to be open to change. You need to be training and learning and development and all these different things because you have to be able to adapt. And I think that. Um, I'm actually pretty excited that. So I'm 42, and I'm glad that I'm not going to be in the world my kids are growing up in because we think change is happening and it's fast. Imagine in 20, 30, 40 years from now, it's only speeding up. To absolutely, up it's unreal the the pace that it's going at. And so that ability to adapt quickly is really going to be key for the next generations.
0: You know, back to what you said about the cycles. I love how you touched on education. If you back up 20, 30, 40, I'm, I'm being exaggerated. We train people to sit at a chair and do the same job for 40 years. Like that, our our system was designed to produce that output and all of a sudden sorry gigs up that's no longer totally. that's no longer serviceable
1: and even you think about how they actually educate kids nowadays you have to sit in a chair for hours and so I remember reading just article, proven
0: uh, so many ways that that does it's broken right. it's you're broken.
1: you're you're forcing a human being to just kind of physically sit a certain way for a certain amount of time and the physiology that goes around that. And the ability to be flexible and, you know, turn on a dime and be creative and, and adapt and all these different things is not, is not adding up to the physical way that we're actually teaching our kids.
0: That's so interesting. You put it, I want you to have a flexible mindset while sitting rigid in a chair for two hours, which is not, which is not natural for the human body, but sitting is the new smoking. I've heard that one floating around. Oh, there you
1: go. Well, I even think tie it back to curling. And so being an athlete and and competing. So, you know, if you're learning a new skill set, I remember one of my coaches long, long time ago said, fake it till you make it. And so it's all about creating yes. the physical motions so that your mental can come up to it to speed right so you may or may not have that skill set perfected but mm-hmm. if you fake it until you actually make it and you train your mind to believe that you actually can do this it eventually will catch up and so the whole fake it till you make it when it comes to school and education and how we're teaching our children to act and react it's not really not adding up to how they need to act in the future it is so
0: interesting because you know we've both you and i i'm assuming we've both been in boardrooms where we're put in situations where we're like i'm not sure but i'm going to say yes and i'm damn well going to go figure it yeah, out when exactly. I leave this <laughs> leave this room which is very not what you learn in a testing traditional environment that's right. not to just slag on the school on the school system but you're right everything needs to change to create a different future that, and that's what, and that's you know back to the gold T word transformation yeah. it's not going to start like if someone comes out of a traditional environment goes into an organization that's fast moving adaptable like they're going to have a meltdown that's right it's this is like whoa I did not have the skills prerequisite skills besides some technical information to know how to like quote unquote deal with the change management piece
1: yeah absolutely I mean it even ties back to results with- whether it's sports or school and academics of how you take tests and the fact that you don't fail anymore. And you know, there's no real uh, feedback on what you could do better next time. And the fact that we're going to hold you back because you know, you didn't actually achieve these different grades and skill sets, et cetera. We're, we're creating this generation of people that just think they're just going to be successful at everything they do. And and I think we're missing on the learning. That's
0: powerful. So as an organization with, I'm assuming a breadth of, you've got probably people at the end of their career, whatever that means these days, but also at the start of their career, how do you guys deal with just those different mindsets that are like, m- how many generations do you have? Like, I guess, how do you guys? All even, of them. Yeah, t- totally. <laughs> yeah. That's where I was going. I'm like, I'm picturing the 20 year old and the 60 year old in a meeting For together sure. and, yeah. e- and everyone in between. <laughs>
1: you bet. Exactly. That's exactly what's going on. And so it really is the openness to um, and the change of the mindset to realize that everyone has a say, everybody has an opinion. And both
0: those opinions are valuable.
1: They're so good. Up and good. down the chain. And you know, we talked earlier about inclusion, diversity. You know, whether it's female, male, or it's generations and different ages. Like yes. everyone has an opinion on something, and they all have to be heard. And I think that's what's key is, is people realizing that you may have had 40 years of experience and might believe that you know what the right answer is, but having an open mindset to what those other people will bring to the table because they don't have all of the misnomers or the statements of the past and Bi-
0: biases, mm-hmm. the biases, different, exactly. di- di- they, we all have biases. You just have different ones than I do. <laughs>
1: you bet. Exactly. So, you know, it's kind of like, um, the mindset of, you know, a four or five year old, uh, how they talk very openly and naively. <laughs> <laughs> and very innocently about some of the statements that they make. And so I think that's the same thing in business, right? You, ha- you really have to have that open mindset. And-, and some of the innocence has to be brought to that table to really achieve the best ideas.
0: Oh, that's such a different mindset from the "I'm older, I'm more wisdom, whatever." I'm guy, girl doesn't matter. I, totally. I know, I know better. You, you just quiet, quiet down yeah, there. Yeah, just follow along. Yeah, you, you know, the intern's meant to be seen, not heard, kind of mindset. But the problems we're trying to solve are very complex problems. Yeah, you That require multiple angles. But how do you bring all those together? That's a challenge.
1: It yeah. is. Yeah, you know,
0: in the large, but whether it's a large organization, you get six people in a room or six hundred people moving forward. It's, 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 it's just the same thing scaled.
1: <laughs> totally, and I mean that's why you know, as I mentioned earlier, Kevin has this. Um, this approach to how we create new ideas of what we want to go to market with or new solutions we want to create and realize new ways of doing things. And so that really is bringing everyone to the table, whether you're an executive, you've been here for 15 years, or you're a net new employee that is passionate, has new ideas and different experiences from your personal life that you bring to the table. All of those things matter.
0: Oh, and it such contributes to a very, that, that creates a very different output in terms of a cultural experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because
0: like, you guys have great retention. Like, th- Those are real numbers. Yep. There's a reason. People feel valued. People feel like they're being heard.
1: You bet. It's so human. You're part the of, of a family. And you know what? You can express yourself in whatever way that you need to and have an idea. And it's not shot down. It's considered. It may not be the one that we move forward with, but it's always considered. And there's right. always value in, in people sharing their ideas.
0: So for an organization that's listening to this right now thinking like, well, that sounds pretty like new agey. I don't know about that. I'm, so, I'm putting on my old guy hat, which, whatever that means. Any advice to try to break into a different way? Like, you know, sometimes it's not working, but my own beliefs don't let me change. Like, as as a leader or as an executive team, any advice that you would throw out there for organizations like that that go, you know, what? Finally, we need to, but we don't even know how to approach that.
1: Yeah, you know, I think if you bring that type of person in or that type of new blood in, and you follow along and you watch and you observe, uh, I think that you can you can kind of follow along with it and, and. My, my personal belief is you bring that diversity in, you bring people that are different to you. You know, um, Mm. we're going through a bunch of different interview processes and, and, uh, it's interesting because I think in the old world, you, you would try and hire people that are similar to you.
0: Absolutely. I, I would completely agree with you. And
1: the whole point now is hire people that are different than you because they'll think differently. They'll get you to think differently and you might create a better result out of it. And so I think, you know, being open to some of those creative ideas to, to just think differently and be open to something that's that's a little bit different than what you've always thought.
0: When it says something, it forces you to be very clear on what our values are and what are some of those root kind of like, okay, we're all going to agree to operate this way, but that doesn't mean you have to think like me. That's right. I actually prefer if you don't. Yeah,
1: exactly. But if
0: you have trust and respect and kind of all those basic kind of- That's so key. You know what? If you
1: don't have trust, the foundation of everything is really hard to go The good old Patrick
0: Lencioni pyramid we've all looked at. If you don't have trust at the bottom, you're never going to get performance hundred percent at the top. Because if you disagree with me, that's fine. But if I respect you, I'll listen. Exactly. If I don't respect you and disagree, now we're arguing. And we all know where that ends up and we've all been in those meetings. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Healthy conflict is good. Yes, um, is. you know, a little bit of grit, as Brent Allison says, our CEO of Longview. A little bit of grit, a little bit of sandpaper, totally good. That's how you get your best results. But at the end of the day, if you haven't built the relationships and created that trust, it's really hard to move along and, and create change.
0: It's it's it becomes a it becomes a live hand grenade real quick. <laughs> yeah. And
1: you know what it's painful too and it's emotional. And it's stressful. It is. Right? So it's all these things again. We're still human, right? We're still human. We're still people and we don't want to feel bad. You know, it's interesting. I think back to, you know, in in business and and through the 12 years that I've had at this organization, you know, years ago, we used to look at people and we would talk to them about, you know, how's your work going and what are, how's things going from Monday to Friday, eight to five, the days that you're in our building. But now it's how's life going? What's going on within your life, within your space, within your family? What are the different things going on? Because that's what makes you bring your best to the organization as well. 100%. And so it's really interesting. I think I have a lot more, um, you know, I, I mentor different people across the organization. And so there's a lot more conversations about actual life and the person, the individual. Who you are as, as a human, as an individual. You bet. Because you right, there is no boundaries impacts.
0: and life is going on all the time. And you might have your best idea at... 10 o'clock at night. So why wouldn't you talk about your life at 10 o'clock in the morning?
1: You got it. Exactly.
0: (laughs) No, and it's, it's interesting. I've learned that lesson years ago. When you invest in people as people, not as employees, you get such a better return. It's huge. (laughs) And you feel, and it feels better. Like it just, you go, oh yeah, that felt way better than like, I'm just going to focus and have a performance plan in this little box. That's, we're not like that. We don't live in the little box. You
1: need to care. At the end of the day, people need to care about one another. So
0: simple. So, so simple. (laughs) So any words of advice besides you need to care, which I think maybe we could just stop, drop the mic, we'd be good. Um, From an overall economic perspective or even some of the... the, Companies are listening to this, leaders are listening to this, like, okay, I'm inspired, I want to do something different. Words of advice, you know, kind of like what's your, what's your checklist on dealing with this rapid changing world that we're that we're living in that you guys are embracing?
1: I think there's a couple things. So, you know, for me, one is actually getting to know people. So the people that you're working with, the people you're interacting with, find out what they what makes them tick. Um, And that might give you better results. That might give you a new idea, a new opening, a new understanding of what's going on in that person's life. And it really might help you get the best out of those people. The other thing is, um, you know, one of the things I thought about was, who you need to collide with and the different organizations that actually need to maybe start having some conversations together. And so, Kevin and I, and a few others um, here in the city, we had a, a, a great dinner with Microsoft and with the CED, the Calgary Economic Development. Oh,
0: that'd be an interesting fly on the wall. It was to be awesome. In that room.
1: It was awesome. And so, some really interesting ideas. I mean, you look at, again, an organization that really has embraced transformation and change and, and the digital and automation, all, all these amazing ideas that's coming out in the world and the ecosystem, and that, you know, they've really embraced embraced partnerships and even with competitors, right? So they're doing things and going to market with competition that they're competitive in other, in other areas, but they've realized that they're, again, they're better together. But when you look from a city perspective, what else can we be doing within our community, within our impact, within society? And so I, I really look at the CED for that. And so if you can kind of collide those two organizations together and, you know, I think I read something and, you know, part of the conversation may or may not have been about us having a tech center here in uh, Calgary. Okay.
0: Yeah. I've heard, I've heard some of those things floating around.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, you know, We need to start investing in those types of things and it's not for now, it's for later and it's for the future and we need to be a little bit more progressive in how we're thinking about 15, 20 years from now and what those next generations are going to look like. And so I think each of us as individuals, as organizations, we, we get stuck in the, the whirlwind of the day to day and it 's really hard to get into you know what we call Q two activity, which is that futuristic the strategy type of stuff we 're so busy and just solving problems and reacting in the tactics of the day to day that it's uh, it's hard to look at strategy and create vision and look at the future and and uh, I think you need to take some time and put some time physically in your calendar to do that you need time to think you need time for creativity and it takes time to get your mind into that kind of mindset as well so you really need to book some time in your calendar to actually think creatively of what you're going to do differently how you're going to change things how you're going to impact values and, and the core beliefs of the system that you have within your organization to create that culture of creativity and ideas and you know thinking differently about things
0: it's interesting it's like putting fitness into your calendar it's like making it important yeah exactly but you're Right. sitting at your desk for an hour with nothing on your desk and just thinking that's a challenge for us in a world of like quick hit dopamine like my phone did anyone happen on Facebook it's so challenging like it's almost like the world of technology slightly conspires against that type of thinking for sure you know delayed gratification getting back to the psychology of it you know like if I waited don't eat this marshmallow now well, I get five marshmallows later I don't care I just want the marshmallow now and I want the five marshmallows <laughs> you know right. some of those some of those psychology because it comes to us back to you're right it's a human it's a human it's a human journey and a human experience but that uh, the grit the sa- making time for it is a challenge because it it's maybe hard. doesn't it doesn't feel necessarily always productive in the moment and we're so tied to that sometimes.
1: You know, it's interesting. So, obviously born and raised Winnipeg, but have been in Calgary for almost 12 years and I look at the speed and the pace that we work at and you know, no slight to Winnipeg or anything. Obviously, there's all kinds of amazing successful people yes. in Winnipeg for sure. But when I look at the two cities and I kind of compare, you know, Winnipeg's steady state Um, you know, there's no ups, there's no downs.
0: I've heard that. It's just, it's, it's not amazing, but it's never bad.
1: It's consistent. It's successful. Um, but you come to Calgary and I feel like, everybody's working fast They're like, we're chasing it, we're chasing it. Always chasing. We're always pushing whatever uphill. Um, There's always things going on. And so I think that that's innate. And again, our children are growing up in this, right? And so they're so used to working hard and having that type of work ethic and realizing that, you know, you gotta, you gotta work really hard for everything that you're going to get. And, and, you know, you're always on an uphill battle, but at the end of the day, sometimes if you just slow down, smell the roses, take the journey, enjoy the process, all those cliches, they're actually real and I've had to teach myself that. I was always the checklist person. I was always the one trying to just well, get Well, you to the said project planner, like let's totally. map it out. I'm going to do totally. my
0: three-year plan. It's going to work perfectly. No deadlines will be missed. Everyone right. will do what they're supposed to
1: do. That's not reality. And then
0: you encounter other humans and exactly. it changes everything. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Yes, the best laid plans never survive encountering the, the, the client, the enemy, the opponent, reality, life, weather, I don't know, pick something. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> pick exactly. something. Um, obviously you're very involved in the community any way that someone could reach out to you if they're really inspired by the conversation wanted to chat wanted to either curious about Longview or about yourself is there a way is there an easy way or are you open for people getting a hold of you
1: yeah absolutely LinkedIn is the best way um, so lots Good of connections you bet um, lots of connections through that and so through LinkedIn for sure I'd, I'd love it I'd encourage and welcome
0: perfect so I, and I will push that if anyone is curious or inspired by what they heard today please reach out it was wonderful chatting with you thank, thank you. you for your honesty and thanks for coming in
1: thank you for having me
0: my pleasure